Go for the pulse and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to the Philly Sports Power Hour. It's game day. I'm getting fired up. I know the vibe hasn't been great. I know all of us have lost hope, but all of that came back for me yesterday watching them boys turn into them boys like they do every playoff season. What a weekend it was, Wild Card weekend. This is the Philly Sports Power Hour. We are streaming live on the Jacob Sports Network on YouTube. We are also live on TikTok as we get ready for an Eagles playoff game. As bad as things have been over the last six weeks. The players have been saying it all week. The playoffs are a new season. And I've had a hard time believing them because they haven't bounced back after being embarrassed the last few weeks. But if we learned anything this weekend, it is the playoffs truly are a new season. We saw the number one defense in the entire NFL, the Cleveland Browns, get dominated and shredded by a rookie quarterback in C.J. Stroud. We saw the Dallas Cowboys, an unstoppable football team, at AT&T Stadium, get dominated and embarrassed by a seven seed, the first seven seed to ever win a playoff game. The Cowboys are the first two seed in NFL history not to make it to the divisional round. It is a new season, and hopefully the new season for the Eagles starts off with a win tonight in Tampa. And guys, listen, I know I've been negative, as I should have been with this team. I know a lot of people have lost hope, as they should have with this team. But we wait all damn year for this. All year. February, that holding call against James Bradbury, we have been waiting after that moment for tonight. The NFL playoffs are back. Let's enjoy it. Let's enjoy this playoff game. Let's enjoy getting fired up for this playoff game. Yes, there are issues with this team. Yes, there are issues with this coaching staff. But today, on a game day against the Tampa Bay Bucks, I'm going to try to keep it positive today because it's going to be a long offseason if they lose tonight. So let's get fired up for at least one more game. Let's get fired up for maybe the last time we're going to see Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox in a Philadelphia Eagles uniform. Let's get fired up. And it's not hard to get fired up after watching them boys. Here we go. Going down. 
in Dallas yesterday. But before we get into our football Friday, a little bit of a recap in Philly sports because I haven't talked to you guys since Friday. I just said football Friday. It's football Monday. I'm used to doing these on Friday, but we have a football Monday, Monday night football tonight. And I see my Power Hour crew checking in. Let me get a little roll call before we go through a little Philly sports summary from the weekend. We got Wine Niners Wine in the house. Jason A-Team, the real RMP. Steve Ike, Twiz, Dave Laprati, Denise Larada, Flexen and Steppen, RJ Ramirez, Nafiz Scott, James Jones, Steve Ike, Ringo Island, my man, WCBJJ. Who else we got in the house? Travis Yoder. Man, a lot of people here. Sorry if I missed you, but it's good to see you. I see people checking in on TikTok as well. Good morning. Big D. Speaking of Big D, we got Big Dom back on the sidelines tonight. Don't forget about my man Big Dom back on the sidelines for the Birds. 10-1 and with Dom DeSandro on the Philadelphia Eagles sidelines. So a lot of things to be excited about. It is the playoffs. But let's take a look around the Philly sports scene this weekend because we haven't spoken since Friday. Sixers get back in the winning column after losing three in a row. No Embiid, no problem when Tobias Harris goes off with 37 points and really carried the team in their 112-93 win over the Sacramento Kings. Sixers are back in action today at 1 o'clock in South Philadelphia. And if anybody here is going to the game, get there early because President Joe Biden is also in South Philly. There's going to be a lot of road closures today. So if you're going down to the Sixers game today, go early because it's going to be tough to probably get down to the stadium. Then we got to talk about our Philadelphia Flyers. The Fly guys win their third in a row. They went in overtime on Friday night at Minnesota against the Wild. They were down two in the third. They battled back to win that game in OT. Love to see it. They have a back-to-back. The next day, they got to go to Winnipeg, play the Jets, who were the hottest team in the NHL. Jets have won eight straight. They were 12-0-2 in their last 14. Led the NHL in points with 60. Flyers said back-to-back, getting the Winnipeg late, going up against a hot team, no Sean Couturier, no Jamie Drysdale, the new defenseman they got in the Cutter-Gachier trade. They said, no problem. 2 nothing win over the best team in hockey. Samuel Erson played lights out. And these Flyers, man, they are good. They are good. Keep it up, Fly guys. I want some NHL playoffs in South Philadelphia come this spring and summer. But that's it. That's it for basketball talk. That's it for hockey talk. Because we got a playoff game tonight. It's wild card weekend. Two playoff games today. Pittsburgh Steelers-Buffalo Bills game had to get moved to tonight at 4.30. And then obviously the Eagles and the Bucks. So we're going to break all of that down. Talk about the matchups. Talk about the injuries. All that good stuff for the Eagles. But before we do, let's take a look around. And I see people on TikTok talking about Travis Konechny on the Flyers being the new captain. Dan, did he earn it, man? 
did. He earned it. Love the way Konechny plays. So we'll talk more Flyers next week. Well, I keep thinking it's Friday. I'm so used to doing our game day shows on Friday. It's Monday, but we'll talk about the Flyers later this week. But let's jump around. Let's take a look at Wild Card Weekend and look at some of these games in the NH in the NFL. Starting off Saturday, the Houston Texans and the Cleveland Browns. Guys, I did not do a great job of picking games last week. If you follow the show or you follow me, I gave my picks. I had the Cleveland Browns beating the Houston Texans. I thought that that Browns defense, that was the number one defense in the NFL, was going to be able to shut down the Texans' offense. I thought Joe Flacco, who had been averaging over 30 points a game, over 300 yards a game in their last four, was going to be able to dominate the Texans' defense. Man, were we wrong. Or should I say, I was wrong. Because I know some people did pick the Texans. The Houston Texans absolutely shredded the number one defense in the entire NFL put up 45 points in that game. That game was never close. 45-14 Houston Texans. The Cinderella story of Joe Flacco. The clock struck midnight, unfortunately. I was rooting for him. Local guy, Audubon, New Jersey. Rooting for Joe Flacco. But I'll tell you what, man. We've been talking about it on this show for a while. C.J. Stroud is the real deal. First first round rookie to win a playoff game since Mark Sanchez back with the Jets. And Stroud, that release is just so quick. And D'Amico Ryans, how do you not root for D'Amico Ryans? Rookie head coach. Just a great story in Houston. And I said it last week here on the show, and even when I made my prediction, that I like both of these teams. Both of them have great stories. And that whoever won, I was going to be rooting for them. So definitely getting behind the Texans. But they win 45-14 in really a game that was never close. The game that Saturday night game after the Houston Browns game was in Kansas City. And if you watch the game, you downloaded Peacock. How many people here, too, if you're in the chat? Did you get Peacock? I actually already had it. I already had Peacock. I don't even know why. I had it, but I had Peacock. I don't forget. I don't remember when I purchased it, why I purchased it. I don't know what I was even trying to watch when I purchased it, but I already had Peacock. But did any of you guys, I'm seeing everybody saying no. So were you able to watch the game? The people who didn't download Peacock, did you figure out a way to watch the game? I'm looking on TikTok too to see if anybody said they didn't get it. A lot of people said they use other people's Peacock. Hell no. A lot, of, a lot of no's. A lot of no's for the Peacock. Well, I'll tell you what, guys. I think they made, what, a hundred and something million dollars? So get used to it because, unfortunately, I think you're going to see more playoff games getting streamed on streaming services, and I doubt this will be the last time we see Peacock. And I see Chip snapper saying you must have comcast i don't i actually use youtube tv i've had youtube tv for a while i like youtube tv that's what i've been using 
So, man, none of you guys got the uh, got Peacock. Interesting. But that game's on Peacock. We all knew it was going to be cold. Negative 30-degree wind chill in Kansas City. That's the one game I did get right this weekend. I had the Chiefs winning that game. I didn't think the Miami Dolphins offense was going to fare well in the cold weather. They relied on speed. But the one thing that did surprise me, not necessarily the outcome of that game. I thought the Chiefs would win. I said the Chiefs would win because of their defense. I thought Steve Spagnuolo would be able to shut down the Dolphins' offense. But what surprised me was how unimaginative, how much the Dolphins' offense lacked creativity. I mean, Mike McDaniels, one of the things we keep hearing about him is this offensive genius. Their offense looked so predictable. They didn't have an ounce of creativity to their offense going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Looked like you were watching a Brian Johnson offense a little bit at times. Looked like the only play they had was the little bubble screen to Tyreek Hill. But that's what really surprised me. I thought the Chiefs would win. I thought the Chiefs' defense would be able to shut down the Dolphins' offense in that weather, but it was Mike McDaniel's lack of creativity that really surprised me in that game. So, Chiefs win 26-7. And let me talk. This is reminding me about something, because I got to talk about this. And I've talked about this before on the show, but it seems like it's a good time to talk about it again. Patrick Mahomes. Generational talent. One of the best NFL quarterbacks we may have ever seen in the NFL. He needs to stop with the whining. He needs to stop crying over not getting calls. He needs to stop looking at the refs every single damn incompletion looking for a pass interference call. Every time he gets hit looking for a roughing the passer call. It's a bad look, man. It is a really bad look for a guy who we all see it every week, usually gets the benefit of the doubt on the calls. We, we could go back to Super Bowl 57, that ridiculous holding call on James Bradbury. You saw worse holding calls in yesterday's Lions-Rams game that didn't get called. But yet, you're going to sit here, Patrick Mahomes, as one of the greatest quarterbacks we've ever seen and you're going to whine and complain every single time you don't get a call? Come on, man. Stop. And listen, I get it. I love that the NFL, well, I shouldn't say I love that the NFL protects the quarterbacks, but I understand why they protect the quarterbacks. Injured quarterbacks equals a watered-down product. Simple as that. They're going to go through every single possible measure to keep these quarterbacks healthy, as they should. Sometimes it's not fun to watch as a fan. Sometimes it's frustrating as hell when your defense makes a big hit on a quarterback and the flag comes out. But I understand why they do it. They do it because they want to keep these quarterbacks healthy. We don't want the watered-down product. But it's a really bad look 
for guys like Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, who's playing later today. I guarantee you'll see him flopping all over the place, looking for roughing the passer calls. It's a really bad look when every single person who's watching an NFL game knows the quarterbacks are going to get the benefit of the doubt on the penalties that you're whining and crying and flopping and trying to get pass interference calls and personal foul calls every chance you get. Stop. I can't stand it. Anyway, that's just me on my soapbox. I can't stand when Patrick Mahomes whines and cries to the refs. And Josh Allen later today. I like Josh Allen. I guarantee you'll see him at least once, probably twice, flail his arms, flop for a personal foul call, roughing the passer call. Can't stand it. You're going to get the benefit of the doubt. Just play the damn game. And I don't want to hear, I see people in the chat talking, oh, all quarterbacks do it. All quarterbacks don't do it. All quarterbacks do not do it. So, look, Jalen Hurts, say what you will about Jalen Hurts. He very rarely is arguing for calls. I can't tell you the last time I saw Jalen Hurts flop for a roughing the passer call, flail his arms, throw himself, look at the look at the referee, whining. So I have my problems with Jalen Hurts, but that's not one of them. And all you Hurts haters who are on TikTok or here on YouTube – you can't disagree with that. Jalen Hurts does not whine and cry to the refs anywhere near, if at all, the way Patrick Mahomes does. But that just pisses me off for some reason. You got me all worked up. Today's supposed to be a positive day. It's game day. Eagles, playoffs. Anyway, so the Dolphins lose to the Chiefs, and that brings us into Sunday's games. And the first game of the day on Sunday. Listen, I know a lot of Cowboys fans are going to call us haters. Oh, you guys just hate. You're so you're so joyful in, in us losing. You should care about your own team. You know what? I don't care. Call me a hater. Call me whatever you want to call me. Sitting there on the couch yesterday. And watching the Dallas Cowboys turn into the Dallas Cowboys like they do every single year. Watching Dak Prescott turn into Dak Prescott like he does every single year was so joyful. It was glorious. I don't know if there are enough words to describe how happy I was. I actually had like butterflies in my stomach. It it felt like Christmas morning. I was so happy. My fiance says to me, she goes, what are you so excited about? I said, because them boys just turned into them boys again, like we always think they will. And now you got to go all the way back to 1995, since the last time the Cowboys were able to make a championship appearance. It really is a wonderful thing. It really is. And I want to give a shout out to my man, NFL Edits on TikTok, checking in. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate the support. So check him out, NFL Edits on TikTok. But it really was a wonderful, wonderful thing. And now the Dallas Cowboys. A lot of questions. A lot of questions surrounding that team. Couldn't happen to a better organization. But you see this Cowboys team, 
And listen, I picked the Cowboys to win that game. All right, I will own it. I was one for three. Excuse me, one and three. One for four in the weekend's picks. I expected the Cowboys to turn into the Cowboys. I just didn't think it would happen in the wild card round. I thought they would at least get to the divisional game. I thought at home, going up against a seven seed, a young quarterback like Jordan Love, that that Cowboys team would do what they've been doing all year. I thought that they would come out and the defense would play well. I thought Dak Prescott and CeeDee Lamb would be able to dominate like they've done all year at home. But I underestimated, completely underestimated, that the Cowboys choke every single season. Didn't expect it to happen this quickly this year. But they absolutely choked. And it was a beautiful thing to see. And I know this may make a lot of people say you're crazy. But regardless of what happens with the Eagles now, it's not that bad of a season anymore. Because my biggest fear was that the Eagles were going to lose and somehow the Cowboys would get to the NFC Championship or maybe even to the Super Bowl. But that can't happen now. So we're playing with house money, in my opinion. That's why I'm so excited today. Yesterday's game, watching the Cowboys get dominated by the Packers, completely changed everything for me. Because now I'm in a great mood. And now every single thing that the Eagles players have been saying, that the playoffs really are a new season, it gives me hope because they truly are a new season. The Dallas Cowboys were 8-0 and at home. They had won 16 straight at home. Their offense was dominating everybody. But when the lights shine bright, you learn a lot about people. And we've now learned Dak Prescott, year after year after year, just cannot perform when the games matter most. And that is a big problem for the Dallas Cowboys. Because if you look at Dak Prescott's contract, he's heading into the last year of his deal. They can't cut him. I saw a lot of people on Twitter last night talking about Cowboys are going to have to cut Dak. You can't. His dead cap hit in 2024 is close to $62 million. $62 million dead cap hit if they tried to move on from him in 2024. But the problem is, for Cowboys fans, what do you do? Because this is the final year of his deal. This would have been the year and the offseason that the Dallas Cowboys would say, we're going to extend Dak Prescott. We're going to enter into a new deal. We're going to lower that cap hit. We're going to push it into later years. If you're the Dallas Cowboys, can you extend Dak Prescott right now? Seriously, I got Cowboys fans here in the chat, and this isn't trolling you guys. This is asking an honest question. Do you want Dak Prescott as your quarterback of the future? Knowing what we know now, as good 
as Dak Prescott is as a fantasy football quarterback, as a regular season quarterback, he cannot win in the playoffs. He has now proven it to us his entire career. And I got a, I got a Cowboys fan in the chat. William Bernie. We're getting Belichick, and we're going to trade overrated Micah Parsons for a high draft pick to get Jaden Daniels. Man, you guys, that's where we are now. Now we want to trade Micah, fire McCarthy. Man, this is such a wonderful day. <laughs> it really is a wonderful day. Kind of set up nicely. At first, I was upset that the Eagles had a Monday night game, but I said it to you guys last week on the show. How nice it was because now we got to sit back and we got to enjoy the entire weekend without having to worry about if the Eagles lost. And we got to enjoy this ridiculousness now that's going to happen in Dallas and with these Cowboys fans. So while we're talking about it and William Bernie brings it up, do they fire Mike McCarthy? Because I'm talking about do they extend Dak Prescott? The next question is, what do they do with their head coach? Do they keep Mike McCarthy? Three straight years, 12 wins. Our buddy Jeff Kerr put out a stat after the game last night. They have the most wins in a three-year span, 36, without reaching a championship game. So do they now move on from Mike McCarthy? And if they do, a lot of people thought the Cowboys were going to give the job to their defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn. Defense had played so well all season. Did they play well yesterday? 48 points to the Green Bay Packers. And I'll tell you what, man. I don't think Green Bay is going to get past the 49ers. But you talk about a team that is young. If you saw the statistic that they put up on the TV broadcast yesterday, they have the most yards, receptions, touchdowns, for first and second year players in NFL history on the offensive side of the on the ball. They are a young team. They're well coached by LaFleur. Scary team over the next couple of years, those Green Bay Packers. But if you're the Cowboys, what are you doing? You moving on from Mike McCarthy? And a lot of people are thro throwing the name out there. Bill Belichick. And we could talk about Bill Belichick now because a lot of people are linking him to the Atlanta Falcons, the Dallas Cowboys, and maybe even the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't see it, but let's just talk about the Falcons and the Cowboys. Because Bill Belichick just learned the hard way over the last few years that it doesn't matter how good of a coach you are if you don't get good quarterback play, you're not going to win games in this league. And Bill Belichick, as great of a coach as he may be, as good of a defensive mind as he is, could not win football games with bad quarterback play. So I don't understand why Bill Belichick's name is being linked to the Atlanta Falcons and being linked to the Dallas Cowboys. Because if I'm 72 years old, like Bill Belichick will be at the start of the next season, do I really want to hitch my wagon to Desmond Ritter? Do I really want to hitch my wagon to Dak Prescott? 
Is that really how I want my legacy to end? On the backs of those guys? That's why I've been saying for months now that I felt that the best spot for Belichick would be Los Angeles. The Chargers and Justin Herbert. He needs a young, stud franchise quarterback. And I don't see it in Washington, even if they have a high draft pick. I don't think he wants to take a chance on drafting somebody. It's not Desmond Ritter in Atlanta, and I doubt he has faith in Dak Prescott. So I don't understand those teams being linked to Belichick. But we will see. But, guys, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll talk a little bit about that Rams and Lions game last night. That was a great game. Some of the decisions that Sean McVay made that I completely disagreed with. And then we'll turn our focus. Eagles-Bucks playoffs tonight. So stay tuned, guys. Hit that like button for me. Hit that share button. We'll be right back. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Underdog Fantasy has a way for you to play alongside your favorite football team all season long with their Fantasy Pick'em game. You pick between two to five players, select whether they'll go higher or lower on one of their stats, then do what you usually do on a Sunday, watch the games. You can win up to 20 times your money in a single game by going five for five. It's a fantasy game. And the sports betting show wants you to get involved. Go to underdogfantasy.com. When you sign up, use the promo code WIN, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com. Use the promo code WIN. 
Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. What's up, everybody, and welcome back into the Philly Sports Power Hour on this Eagles game day. Eagles bucks in a few hours. Can't wait. Make sure to check out the Jacob Sports Eagles pregame show. You'll get me, Mark Farzetta, Seth Joyner. That's going to kick off today right here on the Jacob Sports Network around 6 o'clock. Then the halftime show, me and Mark Farzetta, probably Kayla Santiago, John McMullen. And then the post-game show, Mike Missinelli, Seth Joyner, Mark Farzetta, yours truly. So make sure you're checking all those out. Wine Niners Wine in the chat asking about my son, Leo. I appreciate it. He's doing well. He had the flu. Whole family had the flu. Somehow, knock on wood, I was the only one that didn't get it. So hopefully that keeps up. I've been popping vitamin C's like crazy, man. But while we were on break on YouTube, we were still live on TikTok. And we were talking about whether or not the Cowboys should move on from Mike McCarthy. And then the question came up about also moving on from Dak Prescott. But the issue is, and this is the question we kind of posed on TikTok, is one, if you're the Cowboys, who do you turn to? So if you get rid of Dak, and we'll talk about how they would get rid of him in a second, but if you got rid of Dak, who's your quarterback? You turning it over to Trey Lance? Some people on TikTok are talking about Cooper Rush. And then the other question is, is, well, how do you get rid of Dak because of that $60 million cap hit? What team would trade for him with that contract? Because, yeah, he is a top 10 quarterback in the regular season. He's proven he can't win in the playoffs. But what are you doing with Dak? Where's he going? Who's going to give him that much money right now? I guess they would. I mean, you may get a team that's desperate for a quarterback. I wouldn't want Dak. Look, I'd want him on my fantasy football team. He's going to give you a lot of yards. He's going to get you a lot of touchdowns. But when the time comes to go to the playoffs, I don't want Dak. But we'll talk more about that this offseason, I'm sure. And I'm seeing people in the chat saying he has a no-trade clause. I'm sure if Dak does, in fact, have a no-trade clause, that if they want to trade him, they can get him to waive it. Because he wants a new contract. He's in the final year of his deal. Now, would he be willing to play on the final year of his deal and then hit free agency? Maybe. Maybe he'll do that. So a lot lot going on in Dallas. A lot of news, I'm sure, is going to be coming out over the next few days out of Dallas, and it couldn't make me happier. Couldn't make me happier. But let's turn our focus to the other game yesterday, the late-night game. The Lions and the Rams almost had this one, man. Like I said, I was one and three this week, but I had the Rams money line yesterday. I thought the Rams were going to win that game. If you took the Rams and the points, you win. But I thought the Rams were going to win that game outright. And it was a pretty good game. The difference in that game, and little teaser, I think it's going to be the difference in the Eagles-Bucks game as well, but was the red zone. You look at those teams, the Rams were able to move the football 
but they weren't able to convert in the red zone when they had opportunities. The Lions were, and that was the difference in that game. The Rams finish in the red zone 0 for 3. Lions finish 3 for 3. We talk about it a lot on this show. Turnovers, red zone, and third down usually will tell you who wins a football game. And the Detroit Lions go 100% in the red zone. The Los Angeles Rams go 0 for 3. That was a big difference in that game, obviously. It was only a one-point difference. So if the Rams were even able to convert once in the red zone, they probably win that football game. But for me, as good of a coach as Sean McVay is, what I thought lost him that game was bad clock management. Twice. First of all, in the second half, the Rams were forced to use two timeouts to avoid delay of game penalties. I'm okay taking the first one, but you cannot, in a close game, use two timeouts on offense to avoid a delay of game penalty. I'd rather take the five yard penalty and keep my two timeouts left then have to use a second timeout and be left with only one timeout. That, I thought, was his first mistake. Take the five yards. You need the timeouts in a close matchup. Look what happens at the end of the game. With no timeouts, Detroit's able to take three knees and the game. But I thought a bigger mistake by Sean McVay was in a one-point game, fourth down, around the 40-yard line, 50-yard line, whatever it was, with only four minutes left in the game, you only have one timeout. You cannot punt that ball. You can't punt that ball back to the Detroit Lions. Can't do it. And the reason you can't do it is not only because maybe you convert a first down, but for me, If you don't get the first down, so you go for it, you don't get the first down, give them the short field. Who cares about giving them the short field? You just want the ball back. It's only a one-point game. So best-case scenario, you stop them, you get the ball back on a punt. Second-best case scenario, they get a few yards, you stop them, they kick a field goal. It's a four-point game, you get the ball back with time to drive down the field. Worst case scenario, they drive all the way down. They score a touchdown. And now it's most likely an eight-point game. You get the ball back. You could drive down the field. The only thing you couldn't do in that situation was punt. I thought that was a terrible decision by Sean McVay. Terrible. And this isn't the first time we've seen this with Sean McVay. Great coach, great offensive mind, great game planner, good play caller. Not so great with clock management. I also didn't like not taking the timeout before the two-minute warning. I didn't understand that at all. There's two minutes and 32 seconds left on the clock. You don't take a timeout there. You let it go all the way down to two minutes. Right after the two-minute warning, Lions convert first down. Game over. Just a couple of bad decisions by Sean McVay in that game. I see Carlos Drew checking in. Good to see you, brother. So bad 
bad clock management. So the Lions win that game. Good for them. Good for Jared Goff. I thought the Rams would win. I had the Rams money line. If you took the points, you would have hit on it. But good for Jared Goff. Good for the Detroit Lions. Good for Dan Campbell. Entire, entire city of Detroit. They've been waiting a long time for that. So now the Detroit Lions will host the winner of the game tonight against our Philadelphia Eagles and Tampa Bay Bucks. There was close chance. There was a really close chance that if the Eagles won tonight, that they'd be hosting a game next week if the Rams were able to pull it out, but they weren't. So somebody's going to Detroit next Sunday at 3 o'clock. If the Eagles win tonight, they will be in Detroit next Sunday for the 3 p.m. game. So let's jump in. Let's get fired up, guys. Come on. I know. I see it in the chat. I see the negativity. I've also been negative. But let's enjoy today. Let's put the negativity aside for today. Because, listen, if they lose tonight, we're going to have an entire offseason to be negative. We're going to have an entire offseason to debate about personnel decisions and coaching decisions. And trust me, I'm going to do it. I've been doing it. I haven't been positive about this team. But let's put the negativity aside for today. Let's enjoy a playoff game tonight. Let's get fired up for tonight. Because we wait so long. The offseason is so damn long. And we've waited so long for the playoffs. Let's try to enjoy today. Don't do it to yourselves. And this is coming from me. This is coming from somebody who has been accused of being too negative over the last few weeks because there's been nothing to be positive about. This team has sucked the last six games. But what I'm saying is, put it all aside. Take all that negativity and everything you want to talk about and just put it in the closet. Because if they lose, we're going to have a lot of time to talk about all those negative thoughts. A lot of time. Let's try to enjoy this. Let's try to get excited. Let's try to get fired up because we have a playoff game for our Philadelphia Eagles tonight in a very winnable matchup, a very winnable matchup. They're favored tonight. The Tampa Bay Bucks aren't that good of a team. They can't. They, they can win this game. The Bucs aren't great. So let's talk about some stuff. Let's first jump into the injury report. Obviously, the big news coming out of Philadelphia on Friday. I think that was after our show, so we didn't get a chance to talk about it. No A.J. Brown for the Philadelphia Eagles. And I had a lot of people tweeting and messaging about how this is why you don't play your starters in Week 18. And I don't want to spend a lot of time going back and rehashing the decision, but I will say that I still think playing the starters in week 18 was the right decision. I know there were injuries. They were unfortunate. I know the Cowboys ended up beating the Commanders, and it didn't matter if the Eagles would have won. I know the Eagles came out and didn't play well in that game, but I still think you needed to play your starters in week 18. Number one, the NFC East was still a possibility. Unlikely but still a possibility. But for me, it was more about the fact that the Eagles hadn't been playing well. If they had played well the week before, maybe it's a different decision. 
but you hadn't been playing well. You needed to see if you could try to get your mojo right. And there was still an outside chance at the NFC East. So I don't fault Nick Sirianni. I think it was the right decision to play your starters in week 18. I know injuries happened. I know it's unfortunate. I know the Eagles played like crap. But to me, it was still the right decision. But A.J. Brown unfortunately gets hurt. He will not play tonight in Tampa. Big loss. Probably your best player on offense. Not necessarily your most important player. I still put that on the quarterback, Jalen Hurts. But A.J. Brown, your best offensive player, will not be dressed tonight. So what does that mean for the Philadelphia Eagles? I hope and I pray what it means is that Brian Johnson and Nick Sirianni decide that we are out our number one wide receiver. We have a quarterback who has a dislocated finger on his throwing hand. And we have one of the best damn offensive lines in all of football. I know the Bucs are a top five rushing defense. But the Eagles had their way with the Bucs in week three at the line of scrimmage. The Eagles ran the ball 40 times for over 200 yards back in week three. Different teams. September feels like an eternity ago. But you still have one of the best offensive lines. You have DeAndre Swift, who every time he touches the ball has home run potential. I want to see our Eagles running backs have 30 carries tonight. Not talking about Jalen Hurts. Running backs, 30 carries. DeAndre Swift should have 15 to 20 touches himself. Kenny Gainwell should get at least 10 touches tonight. Run the football. Win at the line of scrimmage. Control the clock. Win the time of possession battle. And keep your defense that isn't very good on the sidelines as much as possible. That is what I'm hoping comes out of this unfortunate injury to A.J. Brown. That the Eagles realize this should be the game plan tonight. This should be our identity for the rest of the playoffs. But you look at that Bucks defense, and they have been very good against the run. No denying. Top five. Only giving up 95 yards a game. Vita Vey in the middle of the defense is very good. Jason Kelsey is going to have his hands full tonight. But I'm just saying, our strength on your strength. Our offensive line can move anybody. That should be the mentality tonight. I don't care if the Bucs are good against the run. Because our offensive line should be able to open up holes against anybody in the NFL. And you look at this Bucs defense, this is the thing that concerns me with the Eagles coaching staff, is the Bucs defense is 29th against the pass. And that's fine. I don't want this team to run the ball 50, 60 times. You're going to have to throw the ball. But establish the run. Utilize the run to set up the pass. Don't drop back 40, 50 times this game. And what I really want to see 
is I really want to see the Eagles utilize Dallas Goddard in the middle of the field, get him the ball in space, allow him to pick up yards after catch. Design plays that get him the ball in space. We know how good Dallas Goddard is when he gets the ball in his hands. But I don't want to see all of the passes to Goddard be when he's running laterally towards the sidelines. Get him over the middle. Design those crossing routes to get him open. That's what I want to see from the offense. But I talked about it right before we went to break, talking about the L.A. Rams and the Detroit Lions, and that the Rams lost that game because they couldn't convert in the red zone. To me, that is probably outside of turnovers. Because turnovers are the most important thing, usually, every single game. That if you lose the turnover battle, it's very, very hard to win in the NFL. So obviously, the Eagles need to protect the football better. 28 turnovers for the offense this year. They finished the season with a negative 10 turnover differential. Bucks can take it away. 12th in the league with 26 takeaways. They don't turn it over very often. A plus eight turnover differential. So turnovers obviously are important. They're important every week. But second to turnovers tonight, what I think the key is going to be is red zone. Which team can convert for touchdowns in the red zone? And you look at this Tampa Bay Bucks defense. Although they're 29th in the league in passing yards against. 23rd in the league in total yards against. They're top six in points against. And the reason why is because they have a top three red zone defense. The Eagles need to figure out a way to score in the red zone. And when you go back to week three, as good as the Eagles were on offense in that game, put up over 470 yards of offense, they only scored 25 points because they went one of five in the red zone. If they do that tonight, I think they lose the game. The Philadelphia Eagles offense, who finished the year Top 10, number nine in the red zone, needs to figure out a way to convert against a really good red zone defense. To me, that is the entire key for the Eagles to win tonight. And on the flip side, you look at this Eagles defense, 30th in the league in red zone defense. However, the positive is, the Bucs' offense has been just as bad in the red zone as the Eagles' defense. The Bucs' offense is 30th as well. So basically what you have is a good Eagles' red zone offense going up against a really good Bucks' red zone defense. Who wins? A bad Bucks' red zone offense going up against a really bad Eagles' red zone defense. Who wins? And I truly believe that at the end of this football game, when we look at which team had a better red zone efficiency, that that will show us who won the football game. So I think that is big for tonight. Eagles better figure out a way to convert into red zone against a good red zone defense.
And then another thing for me, another key to tonight's game, is the Philadelphia Eagles defense needs to get back to stopping the run. The Eagles defense has been bad all season. But they were so good against the run the first nine weeks of the year. When they met the Bucs in week three, they held them to 41 yards rushing. Through the first nine games, the Eagles were giving up only 66 yards a game on the ground. But you look at the last eight games, every team's rushed for over 100 yards. And this Bucs team doesn't run the football very well. 32 out of 32 NFL teams. That's where they rank in rushing offense. So this Eagles defense needs to get back to stopping the run. They need to figure out a way to make this Bucks offense one-dimensional. Take away the run. Put them in third and long situations. Make it a little bit easier to stop two really good wide receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. And when you're rushing Baker Mayfield, stay disciplined. Stay in your lanes. Try not to let him break the pocket. He's hobbled. Got a banged up ankle. Banged up ribs. He's questionable for tonight, but I think he's going to play. But for me, those are really the three keys. Number one, turnovers like they are every game. Number two, who converts better in the red zone. And number three, the Eagles need to stop the run get back to being a dominant running defense. And I see everybody in the chat, and I'm telling you guys, please, you're saying you can't change how you feel. I'm not saying to change how you feel, but try to enjoy this because we're going to have a long offseason. If they lose tonight, we'll talk about all the negativity tomorrow. We'll talk about it for the next few months. Let's enjoy game day. Let's try to get excited for a playoff game. I know we're spoiled. Look, to me, making the playoffs wasn't a successful season. It wasn't. They had to get back to the Super Bowl for me to consider it a successful season. So I'm not saying to be happy, but let's try to enjoy at least game day. Let's try to get ready for a playoff game. Because we're going to wait a long time. Whether they win tonight, whether they go all the way to the Super Bowl, whatever happens, it's a long offseason. So let's enjoy them while we have them. So give you guys my prediction. And like I said, I have not hit this weekend at all. One and three. I was right about the Chiefs. Dead wrong about the Cleveland Browns. Dead wrong about the Dallas Cowboys. Thank God. Never wanted to be more wrong in my life. And I knew that Rams-Lions game was going to be close, but I said Rams-Money line should have taken Rams and the points, and that would have been an easy win. But I'm going with the Philadelphia Eagles tonight. Call me a fan. Maybe it's my green-colored glasses, but I just think this Eagles team, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, maybe being their last game in an Eagles uniform, that this team isn't going to come out and lay an egg. I pray to God that this team doesn't come out and lay an egg against an inferior opponent. Let's be honest. On paper, the Eagles are a far better team. 
So I have the Philadelphia Eagles responding to the fact that it is a brand new season. Responding to what we saw yesterday with the Dallas Cowboys going down. I think they're going to establish the run. I think the Eagles offensive line is going to dominate the line of scrimmage. I think the Eagles will protect the football. I think they'll be able to shut down the Bucs offense better than we've seen this defense shut down anyone under Matt Patricia. I think they're going to hold the Bucs to only 17 points in this game. And I have the Philadelphia Eagles offense putting up 27. I have the Eagles winning this football game 27-17. Moving on to Detroit. Next Sunday afternoon, we get another week of Eagles football. But like we end every Philly Sports Power Hour with a little today in sports history, there was a big one today, January 15th, 1965, one of the biggest trades in NBA history. And if you're here in the chat on YouTube or TikTok, January 15th, 1965, one of the biggest trades in NBA history. Who am I talking about? What player was traded on January 15th, 1965 in the NBA? Remember, this is the Philly Sports Power Hour. There's a Philly twist here. Who you got? There it is. I see on TikTok, Peter Shy or Smy, excuse me, Peter Smy, Wilt Chamberlain. On today in our sports history, January 15th, 1965, the San Francisco Warriors traded Wilt Chamberlain to the Philadelphia 76ers, one of the biggest trades in NBA history. But guys, smash that like button for me. Make sure you're following me on TikTok if you're here. Make sure you're following me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, threads, we're everywhere, posting multiple pieces of content a day. Also, make sure to check out the Jacob Sports pregame show. We're going to be kicking that off at 6 o'clock on the Jacob Sports Network on YouTube. You'll have me, Mark Farzetta, and the one and only Seth Joyner. So we'll see what Seth has to say about this matchup tonight. Guys, it was great spending this day with you. We'll be back here tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Let's get one more. Let's hope we get more than just this one, but I'm going to give it to you. As always, go Birds! Go for the pulls and the pools. Go for the ooze and the oz. Go for the bubbles and the bubbly. Go for the story and the stories. Go for the win. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com.